You do a lot of talking, bro. You do a lot of talking. All that screaming. Well, you better hope you can play as long as me. Hey, when you get on your knees and say your prayers tonight, pray. What happened between you and Tlaib on the field early in the game? I don't know. You're going to ask him because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. I know you're going to dig this. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. C. Martin. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. The doctor is now in. Yeah, Hour number two on this uh, Wednesday. Glad to have you here. We'll thank Bob Aaron for joining us uh, last hour, talking about this weekend's uh, fight extravaganza in Tulsa. And uh, very eagerly awaiting the debut of Nico Ali Walsh, Las Vegas' very own Bishop Gorman, UNLV, and the grandson of... Muhammad Ali. Is that a direct nonstop from Vegas to Tulsa? I would think they're, they, they, you know, the Southwest goes there. I'm sure they have a direct. Yeah, I just didn't know yeah. if there was a stop someplace. So. Yeah. Because Southwest sometimes can be like a Dunkin' yo-yo of airline flights, you know. You, you're stopping a lot of places. I. Uh, it's funny you say that because <laughs> when I went to Houston last week, I made sure that I was on. A nonstop. A nonstop, the direct flight. Uh, the, and there you go. So. As I left the ballpark on Sunday, my flight wasn't leaving until 9.25 p.m. And again, it was a typical American League game where it was like three hours and 45 minutes. Like after four hours, I left and I get this notification on my phone. And I'm sure glad I signed up for the notifications on my phone instead of email because I changed it before this flight. It says, your flight is now taking off at 10.15 p.m. And I'm going, hmm, darn. And I got to kill some more time. What am I going to do here? And then about 10 minutes later, your flight is now taking off at 10.35 p.m. I'm going, I'm not liking the way this thing is going here. So I got on the phone and said, called Southwest, said, can you give me another flight? And they go, we have no more uh, nonstop, sir, but uh, we can maybe get you through Austin. And this was at 6 o'clock. I go, when does that flight leave? They go, 7. <laughs> I go, wow. Uh, and I, was, I know it's 20 minutes from the airport. So as Abel said, let me get a lift right now. Boom, boom, boom. Luckily, typed in the lift. Your lift will be here in two minutes. And so I had the guy on the phone at Southwest, and uh, he says, okay, well, I'll, I'll keep you on the other flight, but I'll have you on this one as well, too. And I said, you can do that? He goes, oh, we can do that. And so, but, yeah, it's funny that uh, you say that because electrical storms there. So when I finally landed back in Vegas, I looked at the board, just I was curious. Your flight, my original flight, 11.45 p.m. Yeah, And, <laughs> and I was already here. I got here like at 9.20. Yeah, and wasn't there, there – there was just an airline recently at McCarran that they canceled like almost all their Spirit. flights. Spirit. Uh, yeah. So they saw know, like 200 flights. And yeah. I noticed in Chicago they had thunderstorms the other day, and they said there was like 250 flights or something canceled. I mean, and, and that is – and that's the other thing that's scary about if you do that connecting flight stuff. If one of your fl- – if you miss the connection because your flight's late – Oh, well, too bad. Yeah. And then you're going, well, now where do I go? So, yeah, it, it's a little bit dicey. I haven't flown in a while, but um, I always try to get the direct flight. So that flight that I told you about, that I, I left uh, Houston at 7 p.m., and it's a short flight to Austin. And I said, okay, that's good. So we ended up leaving like about 7, 10, 7, 15, and they're just nonchalant. They're going, okay, yeah, we're boarding now, no problem. So I'm thinking... I better check to see when, you know, how long of a layover that I have so I can get back to Vegas. 
And then so I look at my boarding pass, and it didn't even occur to me to even look at it until like I'm sitting there on the plane, and I'm noticing we're past 7 o'clock now, and it says, your flight leaves at 8.35. I'm going like, okay, I know this is a short flight. And then so the guy says, yeah, we'll be landing at approximately 7.55 you know, p.m. So I'm going like, oh, man, I, I hope my gate is close. Right. And then ended up landing like at 8.05. And then, you know, they board, you know, 30 minutes ahead of time. So I'm starting to sweat a little bit. And, of course, they said, just going to your point here, they go, okay, uh, you know, if you're going to stay on this plane, remember, we're going to Phoenix and then, like, to Portland. So there's, like, people, like, four different oh, places. Yeah. And so I'm going, like, the guy next to me, are you getting off this flight or are you staying on? He goes, no, I'm getting off too. So I'm thinking, I'm going to have to do a mad dash here. Mm-hmm. So I finally get off the plane. Is like, you know, about 8, 12 or so. Running through airports. Well, that's what I thought, right? So I get out, I look, and I get out at gate 20. So I go look at the board. Like I walk like two gates over, right, to go find a board. Like where does the Las Vegas flight? They didn't board? tell you on the flight. No, no, because they, they're you're generally. By the way, if you're connecting to this flight, they no. should. No, wow. that's they don't do that. That's not cool. So, so I go to the board. So I walk like two gates over, right? Gate nineteen. <laughs> well, there you I was go. Right there. <laughs> so I was like, I, so I ran farther over to go look at the board that I could have just walked right over. Because yeah, yeah, I remember I mean, years ago flying once when I flew into Midway in Chicago, mm-hmm. and um, I had to catch a connection to someplace else, and it was like, and the flight was delayed, and we had like just a few minutes to get from one to the other, and it was completely on the other side of the airport. Mm-hmm. So we're literally, and people are going, well, are, are they going to get my bags? And it's like, they have carts and professionals there. They can drive across the tarmac. Mm-hmm. You're running through the, trust me, your bag will be, you might not be on the flight, right. but your bag should probably be fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was a, a little bit of an adventure. And uh, yeah, so. When, uh, and, and by the way, you were probably sweating because of all the barbecue that you ate over those yeah. four days. And the thing about it is, I wish I had more time in Austin because that's a nice airport. I think that was the first time I've been to the Austin airport. You could have checked out Austin City Limits. Austin City Limits. But right when I get off the gate there, so now I'm like, I'm. oh, wait a minute. I got like an extra 15 minutes. Let me just chill. So what do I see right there? Earl Campbell's Barbecue. Oh, man. And it was kind of cool because they had like a little stage there. I guess like they have bands there. Uh-huh. And they have like this food truck. And that's where the menus are. Yeah, I remember you I posting said, that. Yeah, yeah, we posted it. Yeah. yeah, Earl Campbell. And then, so then I look around and I see people like sitting in this bar area. and They're dining. They're having drinks. And then behind that, they have like bleachers. They like 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 four rows of like wooden bleachers, like in a high school gym. They show the football games or something there on yeah. Sundays. Yeah, so they got the screens there. <laughs> they got a band, you know, a little stage for a band, and they go. I go. This would be a cool place to hang out for like three hours if I got a delayed flight. So there you go. Yeah, and then of course then now, they had the 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 stores in the bookstores and all that. And of course, you know, he had hook 'em horn stuff, and right. there were some orange and white socks I was looking out there, but I, I couldn't bring myself to to doing that. Now at Earl Campbell's Barbecue, yes. in case you eat too much, do they have tearaway jerseys? Good one, but uh, let's stand corrected here. Breaking news: It is not called Earl Campbell's Barbecue. Do you know what it's called? If you look at that picture that I posted, it says, and this is what I did a double take: Earl Campbell's Tacos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I kind of do remember yeah. that. <laughs> Because when I think of tacos, I always associate, oh, that's what Earl Campbell used yeah. to have before every game. Right? Yeah. Earl Campbell's, you know, tacos. So I don't know. Yeah, because it looks like just a regular truck or something like that. It's, mm. it's, yeah. Yeah. 
But but the stands, as soon as you said there were stands, I'm like, well, they must show the football games. Yeah, and the people were actually just like eating in their sitting like in the bleachers. When I say the stands, I mean like, you know, high school wooden bleachers. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. All right. I have a band that could play on that stage, huh? On this. Were we in Germany? Were we in Dusseldorf? It's okay. Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Numchuck thinks he's being funny here. Okay, so go ahead. Tell me what this is from. Is this from Groundhog Day? Sounds like Groundhog Day because it get playing over and over and blocks the tiny field. Of course, that's Pennsylvania. What was that? Planes, trains, and automobiles. That was plane, trains, and automobiles. I guess I could see that, yeah. Did they go through Texas? Didn't they go through every place in that movie? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) See, this is what this is live radio when you you actually give your producer freedom. You give them free reign. How many times is Well, it's also what happens when you ask the guy who is specifically told not to talk on the mic questions. (laughs) (laughs) It it does make it a little bit more difficult to the listener. (laughs) The hell are they doing in there? (laughs) Tomorrow's gonna be adventure as we go back on the road, isn't it? Gonna play, is he going to play on the road again for us? Yeah. Get that Texas feeling <laughs> no, don't, there? Don't give him any ideas, <laughs> please. Earl Campbell's Tacos. Tacos. So go now, ahead. did you eat there? I didn't have time. I didn't have time to eat. I wanted to. Oh, yeah, because you can't really bring food on the plane, right? You can't bring food on the plane. Oh, yeah. well, then you had time? I, I had like eight minutes. Well, how long does it take to make a taco? It takes me a long <laughs> time to go over a menu for the first time I've been there, as you know. I gotta scope it out and get the right thing, but I, I did. I, so I glanced at the menu. Numchuck, look it up to see. Does Earl Campbell have barbecue or these barbecue tacos? He has to have more than tacos. I think to. there was more. I, I I remember the picture that you sent. Yeah, and there was more than tacos. Because I took a picture. Like uh, the menu was on the side of the. Yeah, it literally the, looked like tr- it was on the, the taco side of a truck. catering truck or yeah, something there like you that. Go. Like it would go right through your neighborhood. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I guess I could you know dig that up from a few days ago. But there you have it. All right, uh, speaking of football, um, and speaking of kind of a cowboy connection to a certain degree, Dallas, Alden Smith has been released by the Seattle Seahawks uh, for off-the-field issues. This should surprise no one. Uh, Alden Smith had a pretty good career at the 49ers, but got himself in some trouble. Uh, He battled alcohol issues for most of his career and legal trouble several times. Well, the latest incident happened on April the 2nd when uh, he had a second-degree battery charge in Louisiana where he choked a man unconscious during an altercation at a coffee shop. And uh, so you ask, okay, what was this altercation about? Well, apparently he choked out a guy where he was questioning his marital status that he was having with one of his relatives, one of Smith's relatives. So that didn't go well. So he choked the guy out unconscious. And ironically enough, this happened just two days after the Seattle Seahawks signed him. This is going back to April. So, uh, yeah, last season he was in Dallas. Prior to that, he missed the previous four seasons to NFL suspensions. He's actually been staying in a sober living home in Seattle, and he actually did that last year while he was playing with the Cowboys. Seahawks thought, okay, this guy's, you know, he's he's sobered up, he's been fine, he's been okay. And now they find out this all happened two days before they signed him. Actually, well, after they signed him. Two days after they signed him. Well, I mean, 
I guess I can see where even if they did their due diligence, that maybe it wouldn't have come up that it happened two days before or after yeah, either way. To. So, you know, because you don't always get things out there. But, um, yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny because we all love football and we love the combat sports and this and that. And, you know, there's a certain amount of anger. And you always hear people saying, well, he's a different person on the field or in the ring or something like that than he is off it. But some of these guys are the same people. And when you have that type of personality, then it's a danger mark and it's a trigger and it's a red flag. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sad that this happens, but it does happen. It happens in real life. You know, they say that sports just basically imitates and is a, is a small sample size of what goes on out there. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it, 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 it's a terrible thing. And it's, uh, you know, hopefully he gets help. Hopefully the people that he's attacked and that kind of stuff are okay. But, uh you know, if he deserves to go to jail or prosecuted or something, hopefully that happens as well. But you, sometimes people, you don't know what they're like. Situations like this, it's kind of hard to feel sorry for the guy when he's had so many altercations and suspensions. Yeah, kind of like when we were talking about Pac-Man Jones and Adrian Broner. People, yeah. Some people just don't, don't, find trouble. Don't feel sorry for those guys. No, I, I don't. Not and at Alden all. Smith has been a problem. I mean, to think about it. We've seen what Antonio Brown's gone through. Josh Gordon. How many times has Josh Gordon been suspended and the NFL continues to give this guy second chance, third chance, fourth chance? It goes on and on. Alden Smith, same thing. Think about it. This guy was suspended for four years. Think about what you have to do to get suspended by the National Football League for four seasons. Well, and think about, too, it's like if he was that big of a problem that he's suspended for four years, what makes you think he's changed now and now all of a sudden he learned his lesson? Right. Or he's going to be even that much more bitter that he lost four years of paydays? Seattle took a shot on him. Seattle took a shot with Jamal Adams. You remember all the stuff that he said when he was with the Jets? They've taken you know Richard Sherman, even though Sherman really didn't have many problems when he was there. But again, spent a majority of his career there. Richard Sherman was the last guy we talked about as far as NFL player that got himself in, in trouble. Remember where he was threatening to kill the family, kill, kill himself, himself, yeah, all drove that. into the wall, right? I mean, just it just right. had a complete mental meltdown, right? Mental meltdown, and then so when you know that you're on a short leash like Alden Smith. And you've had these suspensions, these repeated suspensions, and that you're in a program and you're in a sober house and that sort of thing. It's happened at a coffee shop. You can't snap like that. Where you're not just confronting this guy. I mean, you're choking him. And to choke a guy unconscious, I mean, you had to hold this thing for quite some time. It's probably lucky that he didn't kill him. Right. With the, with the strength of somebody like that. Because that's the other thing. A lot of these professional athletes and football players probably more than some other sports. But, you know, like I say, their whole life is around aggression and hitting people and that kind of stuff. Sometimes they literally don't know their own strength or what they can do to somebody. What they think might be something just to detain somebody could actually be a potential lethal blow that ends their life. Right. So uh, we'll see if Alden Smith, you know, plays football again. But uh, Seattle released him, said, that's it. We, we gave you your shot, and, and they're, they're done with him. And, again, you know, they got problems over there with, with Russell Wilson. Not sure exactly what's going to happen. Oh, and by the way, who do the Raiders open up the exhibition season against Saturday night? The Seattle Seahawks. So 
And uh, Jamal Adams, there's another guy that he wanted to come back and play with Seattle. They have not committed to him as well, too. So Seattle's got some some issues over there. They've got some roster issues. And, and there's a lot of people out there that are not feeling sorry for them whatsoever because a lot of people don't like Seattle because mm-hmm. of the success they've had and that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but no, they're, they're a good program. But, yeah, you've... I don't know, man. It's just, and, and I hate when I hear these kind of stories. But again, it, you know, people look. Oh, look at these sports are too. It's it, it's not that this happens all over. You know, watch an episode of Cops sometime. You know, if it's still on, I don't even know if it is because it's never been my go-to show. But um, but yeah, the uh, I'm gonna lighten the mood here for just a moment. I thought you were gonna sing the song. You know, what you gonna do? Bad no, boy, I'm not bad boy, sing bad boy. That, no. that was yeah, no, that was, that was a highlight of no. that show. But I did want since right, you brought on. this up earlier yes. before the Alden Smith thing, and that's kind of a serious thing. And mm-hmm. I want to chill things out a little. Earl Campbell's tacos. Yes, yes, he has four types of tacos. You can get two per order. It says okay, the pulled pork, the Cajun chicken, the hot link, and the uh, bean and potato. He also has four separate bowls that you can get of different mm-hmm. things. The hot link, the uh, chicken, pulled pork, and the bean and potato once again. So the same as the tacos. And then three signature dishes. The hot link roll, the pulled pork sandwich, and the Cajun chicken sandwich. You can also get guacamole, cheese, and different things as sides as well. So it is not just tacos. There's tacos, bowls, and three signature dishes. Speaking of potatoes, I had no idea. The Texans were in love with potatoes. When I was at Minute Maid Park, they had like three potato stands. Now, I'm not talking about selling, you know, I'm talking about like the potato bowls. You just talked about it there with Earl Campbell. I don't think I've ever seen a potato bowl before. And these things were like lines full of people about loaded potato bowls. And people were taking these things to their seat like other people at other parks do with the nachos and the helmet. The loaded potato bowls. It's like, I didn't know that was a thing. I would think maybe it is in Idaho or something. I didn't really yeah. know. I mean, I knew Huge. I knew meat and potatoes. I, yeah. I thought potatoes were a side dish, not the main thing. But Main thing, yeah. Hey, you know, I, I don't remember that from when I was down there. But then I, I don't check out all the food places yes. like you do. So it might have been there, and I just didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, they're, they're huge with their potato. I mean, every place that I went in from a restaurant, even went to the barbecue places, yeah. standalone, you know, potato bowls. It's like, okay. But I, I saw one thing that I was pretty intrigued with, and I, and I took some pictures of it, uh, but I didn't post it because I was taking the picture, like, kind of, like, through the glass. So through they, the looking glass? Yeah. Yeah. Brandy, <laughs> you're a fine girl. Um, it had pork. They, they had these dishes of pork. Uh, burnt ends, uh, burnt ends are very popular uh, down there in a lot of in a lot of barbecue places. I, I got a taste test, so the guy saw me looking at this thing, and he goes, "Yeah, you're a foodie, aren't you?" And I go, "Well, some people think I am, but yeah." He goes, and so th- this uh, stand was solely tater tot, um, tater tot, tater tot nachos, I guess, basically, except nachos not you know with the chips. So they put the burnt ends, the pulled pork, the chili. Or chicken. You had your choice, and they put that on top of the tater tots. So it's kind of like when you get a nacho bowl and they say you want chicken or beef or something like that. But this is tater tots instead of nachos. So this is how crazy they are with their potatoes there. So not only you had potato bowl places, you had the tater tot place. And I'm looking at those tater tots. I'm going, how about if I just get the tater tots by themselves? The guy looked at me and goes, why don't you try some of this? I'm going to, you know, he goes, here. 
He goes, let's give, let's give this guy a, a, a taste test. So he gave me some burnt ends. They were good. Well, burnt ends aren't bad. Yeah. They're pretty good yeah. if they're done right they're and everything. So, so they pour what, what, all of that. sling blade down there or something like that? Tater tots. It's a pretty good impersonation, man. I mean, we might have to go sling blade and Monty Python for you. That could be your, your number two go-to right there. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton, right? Tater tot. Looked nothing like Billy Bob Thornton, too. Shaved head and everything in that movie? What was that? Yeah, I'm not shaving my head. Was that filmed in Texas? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. But, you know, you're talking tater top bowls and helmets of that, like nachos or something. It just popped in my mind. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was good stuff. But, uh, yeah, pl- plenty of, of that stuff there at, uh, at Minute Maid Park. In, in not, every restaurant. Did not know that spuds were so popular down there. And, that, and that's what they call it. Yeah, that's what one of the places was called. Spuds something or other. Spuds yeah. and suds? Yes. Like something like that? <laughs> have, have a brew and some taters? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, taps and tots was another spot. Okay, well, taps and tots would be like yeah. a spuds and suds or something. Yeah. So yeah. I, was on the, I was on the right page there. Yeah. Yeah, I think you could find some, something to eat there. You're a meat and potatoes guy like me. I'm a meat and potatoes guy yeah, for sure. Yeah, you definitely Yeah, the Spud House. Yeah, that was another place. The Spud House. Crazy stuff. All right. Uh, Do they wash it down with Spuds McKenzie, or they probably like Lone Star beer or something else down there? You, you would think Lone Star, but I actually didn't see Lone Star. Then again, I'm, I really wasn't. Well, it all depends on who the corporate sponsors are, too. It's true. That's how they decide. All right. Hey, we know Freddy's is a corporate sponsor. Freddy's advertised right there on the left field line. And, and Freddy's big down there in Texas as well. Big. It's funny because yes. an old uh, acquaintance that we used to work with in the place we worked at before here, mm-hmm. I noticed he was he posted the other day that he had just gone to Freddy's and got the custard shake and this, that, and the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking and I'm going, oh, I didn't know he was still in Vegas. And he's like, he was down in Austin or Houston or something like that and talked about he went to the Freddy's down there. And I'm like... Well, that's interesting. Here we're always talking about Freddy's, and yeah. some guy that I haven't even seen post anything in the last couple years or something pops up on Facebook that he just went to Freddy's and got like the the double bacon steak burger or something like yeah. that, the shake and everything. And I'm like, oh, but that's that's down in Texas, yeah, right. <laughs> and again, I I I didn't go to a Freddy's in Texas because I go to Freddy's here and I want to try some new spots. But yeah, they advertise with the Astros or one of their sponsors. And uh, in the end, Whataburger is big there, too. Now, they had, did they have a tater shake down there at Freddy's instead of the key lime pie or something? I think Freddy's is Freddy's, my friend. Okay. I mean, cor- well, cor- the, the, corporate is They might be regional. I I they might have regional taste. I can, I can tell you. <laughs> that is not on the menu. Because a tater shake just does not sound good to me. I think I got to pitch, as much as I love those French fries at Freddy's, we got to pitch Freddy's to do the tater tots. Because I yeah. love me some tater tots. Love some, love some tater tots. Yeah. Freddy's taters? That's one good thing about Sonic. We got the tater tots. They're good. All right. I like tater tots. All right. Uh, college football. I want to get to this uh, story. Clemson quarterback. And I wish Trevor managed, and Trevor will be joining us because he says this guy's name perfectly, uh, as well as Houston Nutt does as well, too. But we, we talked about him last year because he backed up Trevor Lawrence. Uh, their quarterback, DJ Ujigelele. That's right. He's partnered with Dr. Pepper. So he's the starting quarterback for Clemson this year. We so, know he's going to be good. So you got to get him on the show because we, we don't have enough doctors on here. Yeah. So he's partnering <laughs> with Dr. Pepper. And I know you're familiar with the campaign. He's going to appear in the Fansville ad campaign. Are you a fan of the Fansville ad campaign? No. 
Okay. You know what Not I'm talking about. A, yes, I know. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy's selling it, and they're all doing commercials, and, oh, you can't watch the game without Dr. Pepper. I've watched a million football games in my life, and I've never had a Dr. Pepper <laughs> to get me through it. So, uh, <laughs> as I've said years ago, if I did a commercial and would have to be on Sirius, it would be against Coke's arch rival, and it would say, Coke is it, Pepsi's... Do the math. <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> but I will say this about the Fansville. I think the Fansville ads are goofy. They're, I mean, that whole Southern thing, it, it does drive me nuts with the sheriff and all that other kind of stuff. It, it's definitely goofy. I will say this, though. That closing shot that they give of the picture of the Dr. Pepper, like you know, with the ice running down, whether it's the can or the cup or whatever, they make that Dr. Pepper Look pretty darn tasty. Oh, they make it look pretty good. They make good. it look, yeah. However, yeah. frequently I don't make it to that point because I was traumatized by the commercial where the guy wears his lucky shorts and they put him in the dryer and they shrunk too much. Yes. And I'm like, no, that's it. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Yes. Don't need any more Gamesville. That, look, they still fit. No, they don't. I don't need a Dr. Pepper Speedo commercial. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Fansville. There you yeah. go. Fansville ad campaign. Not a fan of Fansville. There it is. So so he is the only active college player that has a deal with Dr. Pepper. So obviously he's going to be making some money. So I saw an interview with him where he was talking about how much fun he had. He's never done a commercial ever in his life. He goes, yeah, I didn't know they are going to like give me makeup and everything. And they, they cut this commercial uh, in a hotel. And uh, they did the green screen, all that sort of thing. And is he going to be throwing footballs into the big Dr. Pepper can like they I'm, do at halftime I'm, of the bowl games in it? I, they, they wouldn't give us any information uh, about that, but he is the only active college football player in these ads. So it's not. It's going to be, you know, DJ Ugalele. Ugalele. Just call him Dr. QB. I just want to call him DJ. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Again, I need, I need Houston Nutt and Trevor Madge to help me out with this. but uh, Dr. DJ. But here's the deal. <laughs> this is not his only uh, venture. So he already had an existing deal when the NIL, the name, image, and licensing deals, you know, came about for these guys. Right. He's got a deal with Bojangles, the fast food fried chicken joint in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mr. Bojangles? Not Mr. Bojangles. <laughs> the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band going to be there? <laughs> Dance. Uh, you, you would love this. Uh, not to be confused with the Bojangles location in Sacramento, California, my friend. That's right. But Bojangles would be a uh, nightclub, so to speak. No. Yeah. Probably don't have tater bowls there. No. <laughs> no. Bojangles may not be your way of swinging, if you get my drift. Oh, but. yeah. No, no. <laughs> they would like the commercial that I despise, <laughs> is what you're saying. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, I don't but know. This Bojangles is supposed to be some pretty good fast food fried chicken in Charlotte. So, yeah, Clemson QB, man, he's, he's cashing in. And a lot of these guys are, 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 are cashing in with this. So more power to them. Well, right. Yeah, the, the one quarterback uh, is signing with pro teams. Yes. King. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dierk King from the Miami Hurricanes already cashing in as well. Yeah, no, this the NIL deals, these things are, are – this is just the beginning. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Wait till we get into the college football season and in basketball – just it, it's it's craziness. I mean, we, there are, you know, the Fresno State twins that we talked about, the basketball twins. They've got three endorsement deals right now. 
it, it's going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. So, yeah. I mean, some of these guys are could be making more money than some of these guys in the NFL. They're going to be under rookie contracts. And I'm not talking about They might stay in college longer. Right? You know? Well, I think that was the, that was the whole... You know, premise. That's yeah. you know, they want, want to try to get these guys to hang around. So, well, and they're they certainly going to money, and they're certainly going to have a, a leg up when it comes to signing that pro contract with already having some sponsors in, in yes. their back pocket going into the pros, building the resume. There it is, your portfolio. All right, Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We come back. We start talking exhibition football this weekend. Oh yeah, plus Raiders, Seahawks, and Allegiant. Now. Back to more of Las Vegas's favorite sports madman, the Dr. T.C. Martin. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. All right, football season. Oh, it's here. No question about it. We get ready for the Raiders and the Seahawks coming this weekend. Allegiant Stadium, the first time fans are going to be in the stands. Finally, they get a chance to experience Allegiant Stadium. Be at an exhibition game, but I think a large crowd will gather. What I heard here also is that ticket prices have come plummeting down. And I'm wondering why. I understand, you know, exhibition season, but don't they prefer preseason? Didn't they? Don't they? Didn't like exhibition? Um, preseason it made it sound exhibition. not important, even though everybody knows they're not important. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, you're right. You know, but I find well, I mean, it a little it hard to believe, though, that 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 tickets would be, you know, in other cities, other markets. I understand that, but this is the first time that fans can actually say that they're going to have a game at Elysian Stadium with fans. You know what I'm saying? So, well, I, UNLV had a couple games where they limited to 2,000 fans. But first NFL game. So, yeah, you, from what I'm told, you can score tickets below face value on the secondary market. How many did they have there last weekend when they had the, they opened the practice up to some fans? 25,000. Like yeah. So they, they, yeah. they had some people there. That's what I heard. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that was free. That was for the season ticket holders. Right. You know, they got a chance to experience it. But, you know, this is the, the first game. So yeah. we'll see. All right, Scott Spritzer joins us. Scott, what's going on, my man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Just getting ready for a little bit of football weekend. No kidding. I mean, it's it's here already, middle of August. And, uh, you know, Scott, when you – how much do you dive into the exhibition season, especially week one? I uh, love week one, week two. used to be week three, and then I wouldn't play week four. So now we've only got three weeks. And uh, I'll be diving in a couple of plays this week, and I'm assuming I'll have my, you know, probably busiest week of the preseason will be next week in week two, and then week three I'll probably be shutting it down. But, you know, I, I tell people when I'm asked this all the time, I'm like, when you see uh, sports books, you know, lowering limits on the ability to bet on a sport and doing so in a dramatic fashion – you know, that tells you that you might have a little bit of a chance to actually beat the books in that particular sport or portion of the season. And that's what they do for preseason. It's always been, you know, one of my favorite things to bet on for at least 20 years now, guys. And there are times, especially in week two of preseason, there are times in preseason football where I think there's a better chance or better value uh, than there are in the first three weeks of the regular season when it comes to betting. You know, and, and again, you'll see the, the the limits will go right back up when week one regular season starts because they know uh, that they're probably going to beat up on the general betting public. But preseason football is a different animal. And, 
Where else do we get that kind of information? Who's going to play for how long? What coach wants to win? What coach you know, couldn't care less? And that's what we get for preseason NFL. Yeah, that is, it is true. And there's a, a lot of good spots there. Now, with this being only a three-week you know, preseason, uh, you know, three games, and we know that a lot of teams are going to be just not playing any starters at all in, in week number three, it is a totally different approach you know, for a lot of these head coaches. How about from a betting perspective here? What do you what do you think happens here in week one, say, this season in comparison to seasons past? Yeah, I'm gonna play week one just like I always do. And and again, I'm not talking about betting, you know, every single game on the board. Uh by the time this weekend is done, week one, I'll probably have at the most three to four bets, but there's always a couple that really fit what I look for. I I don't think we're gonna see a difference in established coaches with established football teams in decent you know, organizations that win more often than not as far as uh, throughout the course of a coach's tenure at that particular uh, program, or not program, but organization, I don't think we're going to see a big change in those teams when it comes to week one. And I still think we're going to see, you know, new head coaches looking to uh, get rid of the culture of losing that maybe they came into, start to develop maybe a winning attitude. I still think we're going to see that uh, be an important part of betting preseason football. You know, and again, you know, one thing I won't do in week two, in all likelihood, is bet against a new head coach who lost in week one. You know, so I think we'll see a lot of those things that will be similar to what we saw in the past. I just think week three is going to be the week you probably don't want to jump into preseason betting because we're going to see uh, guys who are deep on the depth chart other than spots where maybe there's a quarterback battle for second string. That's when you can take advantage in week three, but I doubt we're going to see too much of that. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to approach it right now as in week one as though I, I have, you know, for the last 20 years betting preseason week one. I don't think we'll see a big change this week. The reason I like week two in the past, guys, when there are four weeks of preseason football is because you would find some coaches that would treat week two as their dress rehearsal week where most coaches do that in week three. So there was always that game or two per year in week two where you would find a coach using it as a dress rehearsal for at least the first half going up against a team that isn't doing their dress rehearsal till week three. And those are great advantages, obviously, and we've done well with those. So I'll still look for that in week two a little bit, uh, but not as much, nearly as much as, as we used to see in the past when we had one more week. When you are betting, betting these preseason games, are you looking at halftime bets from the starters that you think might play a little bit and a team that gets off to a good start and then they pull everybody? Or are you looking more for the end of the game? Because like you mentioned, some coaches want to win and instill that winning attitude or whatever. They feel they have more to prove. Or, or is it just you take it game by game and see what the best situation is per each individual contest? Yeah, preseason for me is betting just you know to, you know, to cover the spread for the entire game. And uh, I don't get involved with... Uh, the prop type of stuff in preseason. Uh, you know, decisions are made sometimes at halftime where a coach might have said he was going to play starters for a half, maybe like old week three last year and, and beyond, and only play for the first half. And then all of a sudden he might not have seen exactly what he wanted. You'll see him come out for a couple of series in the second half. And, of course, you know, we're not a fly on the wall in the locker room, so, you know, we don't hear those things. We don't know what's going to happen. But, yeah, for me it's all about – bet the full game. And of course, some props when it comes to betting quarters and things of that nature, you can't even find them, you know, in preseason football. So for me, it's all about what I find when it comes to quarterback battles, 
new coaches looking for that first win, that kind of stuff. And, and guys, I'll, I'll throw a, a really cool angle that has been around for a long time, and it fits one game that we'll give you on Saturday. Basically what it is, and a, and a buddy of mine over at Docs told me this. His name is Doug Upstone, and he went ahead and, and checked this out to confirm it. But it's a good NFL exhibition nugget. It's when a team goes from a plus 130 or larger money line underdog to a minus 125 or higher money line favorite, they've gone 51 and 26 straight up. Now, that's a big move money line-wise, but it normally means you move from a short point spread underdog to a short point spread favorite, so you're not laying a lot. But 51 and 26 straight up, it happens to fit the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I like them for other reasons this weekend. They're laying about a point and a half or two in Vegas. You can lay a buck 30 right now if you just want to bet the money line and avoid a one-point win costing you. So it's just a real juicy spot. There are spots like that throughout the course of preseason. All right, Scott Spicer joins us, Doc Sports. Get uh, Scott's picks at DocSports.com. Of course, Scott always joins us specifically. I mean, year-round he joins us, but uh, football season, one of our favorite times to to get him involved with all of our stuff. Uh, when you look at these preseason games, people always notice that you've got these short point spreads. And when you look at the opening week here, uh, 14 of the 16 games have lines of th- – of minus three or less. You only have two games on the board. The uh, Chargers are minus four over the Rams. Tampa Bay, a six-point favorite uh, against uh, Cincinnati. And I guess, you know, there are, are reasons, you know, for that, Scott. But uh, talk a little bit is it j- about that and, and why that we see these one and two and three-point uh, you know, spreads. Is it because maybe you know people, the the books are, f- are afraid of this, or it's the information? But everything is virtually a pick'em here. Yeah, and it's basically average of what teams have done in preseason football over the course of the years. Not any team in in particular, but in general in the NFL. And also, you know, you got to in a regular season when teams are battling for a playoff spot, a team might be up, you know, twenty-four to three at halftime, and they're going to continue to try to lay the wood. You know, they're going to try to lay the wood to the opposing team. Then when it comes to preseason football, you might have a team up 17-zip, 14-zip at the half, and then they're likely going to just go through the motions trying things in the second half. So the other team starts to add more to what they're doing in the second half to uh, reserves, and they come in and they're playing it like it's their big game. We saw Cleo Lemon, one of the best preseason quarterback bets for many, many years, hardly ever take a snap when it came to playing regular season, but you didn't want to be against him if he's a dog. So, you know, that's part of the reason. I mean, there's no way. I don't know that I'll be on the Cincinnati-Tampa Bay game. I'm not laying six in preseason football. There's no way. And so that's why you see a lot of lines that are in that, you know, pick them to three-point range or three-and-a-half-point range. But, uh, again, preseason football, you lay those big spreads and you're asking for trouble. And, uh, again, I'm not going to be on – and, and we're not going to see Brady out there for a half – throw it against Cincinnati. We're going to see a Bengals team that wants to reestablish a winning attitude and coming off, you know, an injury-filled year. And you're going to see them probably being a little bit motivated to win games or play well in the course of week one and week two in preseason. But, you know, again, it's one of those things, just what we've seen over preseason football for many, many years, you know, set close point spreads because you're going to get a lot of times close football games. You know, I'd be curious, Scott, uh, how many, and you may know this, may not know this, of those lines like that, you gave us the 51 and 26 for, you know, that, that money line move from basically being, you know, uh, you know, you know, flipping, you know, from a dog to a favorite. What 
what is what is it is it for guy for teams that are say getting a touchdown or more in preseason? I wonder what their record is for the underdog side of that. Yeah, I don't have the exact point spread record, you know, in front of me, but it's something that I always look to play was the other side, you know, the underdog in those kind of games. And again, we're not going to see too many at all uh, with three preseason games and what, what with what we're likely to see in preseason football games. We're not going to see those kind of point spreads. I get it with the Chargers and Rams TC and why it's, you know, gone from an opening line offshore of two up to as high as four, a couple of three and a halfs out there. I get it because of what the Chargers are going to try to do, who they're going to play, uh, the fact that the coaching staff wants to put a win on the board, whether it be preseason or regular season. And the Rams, for the most part, know what they have, and you're not going to see much out of the Rams. You're not going to see you know, great uh, game planning for the reserves, you know, and the Chargers are going to try to execute. That's everything. That information's out there. Everybody's been reading it, so I can see why that number has been jumped up to four. But, again, it's, it's not something you want to get into. You don't want to lay a lot of points in preseason football. When it comes to the preseason betting and that, we know that it's a different world we live in today, but there was always a lot made of home field advantage. Now, of course, it's been crazy lately, but things are coming back to some sort of, uh, you know, nor- normalcy to a lot of people. But, do you put any stock in a, a home field advantage or points in the preseason, or is that just a regular season kind of thing? Yeah, the only time I really put home field into the mix is when I have a team that has not had success in recent years, and especially if they have a new coach, which, again, I'm going to use Jacksonville as an example. You know, you've got a team that has not looked good for most of the last decade, and you've got a brand-new coach who despises losing. I mean, Urban Meyer, guys, has coached 100 and, uh, excuse me, 219 games, and he's 187 and 32. Uh, and this guy gets headaches when he loses one game at Ohio State and walks away from the job because he went 11-1. and one. You know, so it's a situation where he likes to win football games. So in those situations, I do factor in home field a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit, because he wants to get out there and he wants to perform in front of the hometown fans and get that interest going, develop that new attitude around the organization. Scott, how do you handicap the Raiders opener here? Obviously, it's, uh, you heard us in the beginning here talking about you know, fans in the stands for the first time in Allegiant Stadium. We know the Seahawks have uh, got some roster issues themselves, some question marks. How do you handicap this Raider team that's uh, a point-and-a-half favorite? Yeah, I mean, I get why they're the favorite. I get what they want to do, and and the opponent that they're going to be facing is, you know, they basically know what they're going to do year in, year out, talking about Seattle. So the line's two and a half. The Raiders up from one and a half as far as where it opened. But for me, I'm probably going to be out of this game. And I look at the Raiders. You know, I I didn't pull the trigger what I should have. You could have had eight, eight and a half in some spots, some shops on the Raiders' wins total. And at eight and a half, I wanted to play under. I kind of fell asleep at the wheel, made some other bets for the upcoming season, left it alone. It's all the way down to seven in some books, the Raiders' wins total. So you can see where the decent amount of action, respected action, has, has come in on the Raiders. But as far as the preseason game, I totally get why they're laying points. I just don't want to get involved. I could see the Raiders coming out of this one and being up 10 you know, at the half, and then you've got to kind of sweat what happens in the second half. I just don't see as much motivation from either team in that game as I do in a couple of others. 
you look at the Packers and the Texans, you talk about uh, you know two teams with some serious quarterback issues. Now, granted, Deshaun Watson is still technically the quarterback of the Texans, but you know he missed you know the the last five practices, and Jordan Love is going to get pretty much all of the snaps you know for the Packers, and they're very inexperienced behind him. Packers a three point favorite in this game. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, he's not going to be playing this week, it looks like. So you've got a situation where, you know, you're laying three, but you don't have a big advantage of the quarterback spot because, you know, neither team is going to play their starting quarterback. Green Bay is going to be interesting, guys. I I don't think we're going to see much out of them this week, but I want to see that offensive line because they were incredible last year, and now they've got to replace their center, their they're, they're uh, basically their foundation of that offensive line. And so we'll see if they do any of that in the first half of this one. There's no way I want to lay three in this game. It's one of those things where if I was going to play this game, if I do, it's, it would be on the underdog no matter who it was. In this case, it's the Houston Texans. And by the way, as far as the Packers are concerned, guys, I think over 10 is a solid bet. I do like six sets of power ratings to come up with what I like as far as wins totals in both college and pro football. And with Aaron Rodgers back in the mix, the total did go from 9 to 10 wins when he came back. This team looks like at least an 11-win team. And out of the six power ratings that I use, my worst-case scenario is Green Bay finishing 10-7. and seven. Remember, there's, of course, 17 games. So I think the Packers are going to be tough to deal with. And, you know, if you look at which team was number one in successful drive percentage last year in the NFL, it wasn't Tampa Bay. You know, it wasn't Kansas City. It was the Green Bay Packers. 49.7% of their drives ended in a touchdown or a field goal. Again, this is off the question of the Texans and Packers. If I do anything, it'll be on Houston this week. But for the course of the season, listen, all they got to do is shore up some problems on defense, reach their potential. They got rid of Mike Pettin, and they brought in Joe Barry as the D.C. I, I think Green Bay is an 11-wins team. I just probably won't be on them this week. And, again, uh, I've already kind of given it away, but Jacksonville is, is definitely a play for me. And as we're sitting here talking about this, we talked about Jacksonville, um, maybe the strength of your show, TC, that line's gone from two to two and a half everywhere in Vegas, basically. <laughs> <laughs> they respect the Scott Spritzer word. It's the TC Martin show at ballpark, and, you know. <laughs> when it comes to you betting totals with the added game this year, have you noticed, is it easier? I mean, obviously the books have made adjustments, but is it kind of like a half-game adjustment? Is it a game, or do you find like there might be some better spots than there were in the past, or does the extra game make it maybe a little bit dicier and more interesting? Yeah, I mean, as far as the totals, you know, I liked the under last week, and usually in the Hall of Fame game, you got to do a lot to get me to bet the over in the Hall of Fame game, which I can't remember doing, but I uh, played the under last week, and I stay away from totals for the most part other than that. I mean, that's the best answer I can give you, Frank. I'm the wrong guy to talk NFL totals preseason or regular season. Preseason, I have maybe one or two, which would be the Hall of Fame game, and maybe one more throughout the course of the preseason. And in the regular season, I'll tell you right now that maybe 7 or 8% of all the plays I have by the end of the season were totals, if that, maybe 5%. So I really am not a totals player when it comes to the NFL. I mean, that's the only answer I can give you. But season win totals now, you, who do you, I mean, you mentioned uh, you kind of, you know, lost a little value there with, with the Raiders. You like the Packers over 11. Uh, give us another one or two that uh, could be a little juicy. I'll give you one that I am pretty sure that I'm one of the few are on. And, you know, a lot of people go, whoa, and hey, maybe I'm wrong at the end of the year. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to stay under the total. And right now, they're like everybody's kind of sweetheart to maybe 
you know, win the AFC and, and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I don't think that they're going to get over their projected wins total. And, you know, we're talking about a pretty hefty total. They are, I don't think, going to be that great against the run. I think they're going to struggle uh, when they try to stop ground games. And, you know, when you go up against a team like New England twice, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come after you, and they're going to go after you in that situation with running the football first again this season. So that's certainly not easy. The schedule's a concern. Uh, the defense wasn't great last year, and I think they're going to have a rough time again this season. And really, they don't have an elite secondary, so to speak, wide receiver for Josh Allen to throw to. Uh, you know, we saw Stephon Diggs have a nice season. But again, when you talk you know, three receivers deep, it's not that great. Last year, we saw the offensive line take a hit. I think they're not going to be up to the level people are hoping for that are backing Buffalo this year. Uh, when you look at guys like Tremaine Edmonds, you look at uh, White on defense, these guys didn't play as well last year as they did going into last year, and, and they're going to have to step up and play better. Maybe you could give them a little bit of a break because of all the craziness of last year with the virus, but listen to the schedule. You've got to play the Steelers out of the blocks. You've got road matches against Kansas City, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, New England, Tennessee. I mean, this team could be a very good football team that wins 10 games. My best-case scenario for the Bills is 11 wins. That's where they are set. So I'm thinking my worst-case scenario is a push with this team. And, again, they could be very good. But I'm concerned about wide receiver depth, and I'm concerned about those road games I just mentioned. And Josh Allen got himself a brand-new big contract as well, too. So, yeah, yeah got a brand-new backup quarterback in that town, too. Yeah. Remember that. So yeah. There you go. <laughs> just got to get that brand-new stadium. We can still call him Buffalo, right? Exactly. <laughs> Please do. Trubisky knows how to hold a clipboard. Yeah. That's, that's what he signed up for, right? All right. Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. Go to DocSports.com. Great site. Scott's picks definitely right there on the money. Uh, great follow on Twitter, too, at Scott Wins. All right, brother. Uh, we will talk to you very, very soon. Look forward to, to hopefully talking with you weekly here as well uh, during the course of the football season, both college and NFL. Can't wait to see you. Thanks, guys. Take care, brother. All right, there he is, Scott Spritzer. Love having him part of the show, part of the team, as always. All right. Um, tomorrow we'll be at the Thomas and Mack Center for the NBA Summer League. Come on out and join us. We'll be hitting a lot of NBA. And they still use the Cox Pavilion as well, right? Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say yeah. that. Yeah, so both uh, both places, Cox Pavilion, can enter right there through the concourse, kind of where we'll be, then inside the Thomas and Mack Center. So, yeah, all of your admission takes care of both venues there as well, too. Yeah. Buy one ticket, get every game you want to see. Mm-hmm. All right. So. And I believe they also have re-entry. Like, you can go out and get something to eat or something like that and then come back. I, I know they did in the past. Mm. Don't quote me on that because I haven't been there this year. Can we find some uh, tater tots at the Thomas and Mack Center? Um, my guess is no, but you can look. <laughs> there might be one there on Maryland Parkway in one of the restaurants all around the university. You want to sneak that, some so. in uh, tomorrow? No. Bring some with you? No. No? Not at no. all? You know, Mr. Spud? No, I mean, if if I sneak anything in, it's going to be Coke, and I'm talking Coca-Cola. It's, it's, I believe it's Coke House there. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right, so appreciate Scott Spritzer joining us. Bob Aram, the Hall of Fame promoter, top-ranked boxing as well, too. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. It's all there for you. Again, we'll talk to you tomorrow live from the Thomas and Max Center for the NBA Summer League between 2 and 4 p.m.